episode 50, Golden Anniversary Achievements Unlocked. Welcome to This Game Where Podcast. This is Chris, and over there is... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. Chris said that I would hate his introduction, that he'd gone a little bit schmaltzy, um, but less... What did you say? Less, like... Crap. Crap. Weird. <laughs> we said that at the same time. Crap. Crap is the right word. Uh, I'm glad you agree that they're crap. And yeah, I I do hate that one. I hate it. Oh. I think pretty much as much as <laughs> the normal ones that you do. So, congratulations brought, on that one. I thought that was quite nice. It brought a little tear to my eye. You're quite saccharine. To your eye. All right then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're doing well. Fifty episodes. Yeah. It's not even fifty episodes. It's like fifty-five, isn't it? Because we've got all these weird specials, specials that exist yeah. somewhere in the mix that we have different numbering formats for for no reason whatsoever 50 core episodes 50 core episodes yeah if you're part of if you listen to this you're part of the core club but you should also listen to our christmas episodes absolutely how are you chris i'm great how are you good i'm very good thank you yep good that's that formality done with (laughs) are you trying are you just trying to get through that bit now knowing that i'm going to insist on doing it i just feel so uncomfortable every time and i don't know why Because you, you think nobody else is interested in the world and how you are, don't you? No one's listening to this and caring about how I am. <laughs> Dead on yeah. the inside. We're, we're lucky people are listening, to be honest, aren't we? We shouldn't expect them to care about us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I genuinely feel the same sentiment, to be honest. So, What, you don't uh, care about how... Hang on, no, I don't I, care I, about you, yeah. No, right. I don't think... I mean, surely people aren't listening and getting invested in our own little... In us. In what's going on in our lives. No, I don't think so. Like a little soap opera. Maybe in a few episodes we should just say no and we're not good and just see if people reach out to us on social (laughs) media and check how we are. Yeah, what's going on? Maybe that's a way to pull people over to the Facebook and the YouTube that we keep chilling at the end of the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> suggest that no i was going to say suggest that there's some kind of major drama going on in our lives which i'm sure is fine there's no there's no ethical moral quandaries there is there in terms of mocking up a, a horrible lamentable situation for us mr biffo and paul gannon on digitizer did that they had this massive mock falling out as a joke and people like took it really seriously and um like were really horrible to the person the um, oh, God, that they sides. yeah and oh, it was all no. like a, a big lol and it just it was a bit odd well there you go there's there's yeah. what i was saying like so let's not do there that. is a bit of a moral ethical quandary in in mocking something like that up isn't there so maybe we won't i think i know whose side people would take between me and you yeah Anyway, episode 50. <laughs> oh, episode 50. Episode 50 is one of our special episodes. Weirdly enough, this type of episode sits within the normal numbering structure uh, because every every 10 episodes we talk about a game that we've never played before. Yep. And this week it is... Do you want to tell them? Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yes, which is a PlayStation 1 classic by all accounts. Why did we choose this then? Out of all the hundreds, thousands of games that are classics and we haven't played, why this one? That is a good... Do you have a reason? Like, why did we choose this? Because I, I think I know why I am interested in playing this and why it's on my radar. But what about you? I dipped into IGN's top 100 video games of all time at the end of last year. And mm. uh, this came in at number 12. And it was... I was quite surprised to see a Castlevania game rate so highly because I know they're they're quite well regarded, but I didn't think it was number 12 uh, levels of uh, enjoyment. Yeah. Right. I didn't realise that. So for me, it was because Castlevania is part of the name of a genre, Metroidvania games. Yeah, I get that. Mm. And on top of that, I haven't really played a Castlevania game, despite Metroidvania games being one of my favourite genres ever. I really love Metroidvanias, and yet I haven't played a Castlevania. So when you say I haven't really played one, what do you mean by that? I mean that I've booted them up and then then played... (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Played played maybe a couple of minutes just as a curiosity and then turned it off again. Not because anything turned me off in particular, just because, like, my time is valuable. I don't know if you know that. And, And there's only so much time I can dedicate to exploring the 
Annals of Games. And the Annals of Dracula's Castle, from what yeah. I've been reading today. So, following on from that, I haven't played a single Castlevania game, not even a few minutes not of even any a few Castlevania minutes. game. Nope. So, this is completely new. I haven't touched this one in particular. So, one of the things that I found out, we're talking about them being Metroidvania games, or the genre Metroidvania, and the fact that it's named after Castlevania games. This is actually the second of the Castlevanias that actually offers you that kind of Metroidvania-style gameplay. Yeah. Everything leading up to this, except... I think Castlevania 2 was like a side-scrolling action platformer. Yep. So explain that to me. How do you get a genre named after you if most of the games that represent you aren't the genre that you had named after you? The research I did earlier, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. So this was the 10th game in the series to come out and I've looked into how many are actually available now. Sources differ and games have been re-released but then had their mm. name changed so I couldn't really find a, a categorical this is the amount of games that are mm. available as of 2021. Some websites said 15 but some said as many as 25 so mm. I think it's because this is the 10th game that came out and like you said the second game in the series had this whole open world exploration and then it mm. then subsequently went down a different sort of direction. When they were developing this game, they were inspired by the Legend of Zelda series specifically. <laughs> yes, yeah. so I saw. Yeah. I saw yeah, I saw that and I was like, in reading that section of a well-known website, it was talking about Legend of Zelda and how they were inspired by Legend of Zelda, but everything that they were describing was Metroid. So I just mm. was totally, I just didn't understand because they were talking specifically about Symphony of the Night there, weren't they? They weren't yeah. talking about Castlevania in general. So if you're talking about Symphony of the Night being inspired by Zelda, when actually all of its stuff has a lot more tie to Metroid, it, it was a bit confusing to me. Mm. And I, I did go down a bit of a rabbit hole trying to figure out how and why they were talking about Legend of Zelda instead of Metroid. They wanted to make this more like, so the open world, but also they wanted to make it playable for newcomers to the series and not get bogged down with the history and that make it instantly playable which maybe is partly the Zelda link possibly I don't know I mean you're trying to do work for them <laughs> maybe did you see the the bargain bin story I quite liked that one no I didn't what's that again during development they were basically going to churn out a, a 2d side-scrolling action adventure type game the producer called Toru Hagihara which I'm assuming I've pronounced that correctly he went into various game shops and saw dozens of copies of previous titles in bargain bins and thought, right, we've got to do something different with this one. So that, coupled with the Zelda thing, made them go down this different direction. I hadn't seen that, but that is quite a good story. So all of the Castlevanias, all the action side-scrollers were in the bargain bin. Well, that's because of how they were quite... I mean, you, you were talking about this before we started recording tonight, this whole idea of legacy board games. Castlevania games were, you got to the end, and that was it. Yeah. Which is why people were, either if they were pre-owned, people returning them or the fact they just weren't selling because they just didn't have a very long shelf so yeah. they wanted to make this one this more exploration i keep using that word the emphasis on it well they've made it longer as well haven't they this whole false ending thing if you read about that well sort of and no so i okay i've actually taken a slightly different approach to researching this so what i did is i decided that i wasn't going to find anything out about the plot so i don't really know very much about the story except what i could glean from sources that i found like on the internet or whatever. Um, so I've read a couple of interviews of Hagihara and Mi Michiru Yamane, who is the composer, the musician that okay, created right. the music. And then the other director. Who's the other director? Did you get that one? No, sir. Igarashi. No. Yep. No, I'm getting a funny face. Okay. So there's Hagihara and Igarashi, who are the directors, and they programmed and things as well. Mm -hmm. And then there's Yamane, who is the mu music uh, person. So I read a couple of interviews of those people and everything that I know about the game I've gleaned. So story mechanics and things like that I've gleaned from listening to the people talk or reading mm -hmm. the interviews with these people. And one of the things that they explained in this game was that the, they wanted to make action games longer. They said in one of these interviews that if you're going to pay 5,800 yen for a game you should get 5,800 yen's worth of experience from it. That's fair, surely. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> and it's a it's a principle that I think a lot of people that play games live by, wh whether it's right yeah. or wrong. There is an argument to say that you should think a bit more 
about rather than a sort of a cash value to hours played direct translation but it's certainly something that was on their mind so they made it longer they made the experience longer it's twice if you look on howlongtobeat.com the previous game to this was Rondo of Blood so Castlevania Rondo of Blood right and that was between six and eight hours long and that was one of the action side scrollers which I'd say quite is quite long mm. for that kind of game this one is between 11 and a half and 16 hours so it is almost exactly twice the length and that was a very definite decision they made so that's because of this thing that happens but you think the game has finished and then it pulls the rug out from underneath you and then actually no you haven't and you've got to replay the whole game again but it's like an inverted version of the game that's what i was going to ask yeah which i i think is a fantastic idea yeah so this game has a a slight strangeness that only games can get away with in terms of the way they use percentages because what were they they use it wrongly yeah yeah exactly Uh, i remember um spyro 2 i think it was where you could get to 170 percent completion that was the end of the game like no that that no well here it's 200.6 percent <laughs> so that point six yeah that's map exploration so you can explore Great. the map to 200.6 percent there is a reason and i can't remember what the point six represents but basically you've got 100 percent map exploration for the castle then you've got 100 percent map exploration for the inverted castle and then you've got point six percent for one of the ch- for a special chamber that i can't remember the name right. of chamber secrets i don't think it is that one no uh, oh, something sure. like it though maybe some kind of simulacrum of that or facsimile or whatever you said about them making the game easier for people to start up with apparently well. so i found something interesting that again it's in the same interview so this interview is actually it comes from the original game guide that was published in japan alongside the game and in this interview they talk about making things accessible for new players and i think they're mm-hmm. asked a question about the oh what are they called familiars the familiar system are you aware of the familiar system in the game i'm unfamiliar with the familiar system okay Fair enough. So apparently the familiar system, it seems to me that you can find and then use these familiars, these like little sprites. Yeah. I don't know how they operate. So basically you can equip them and then they have special powers and they increase your offense and defense and things like that and make, make things easier. And this is sort of held up as one of the ways that the game makes it easier for newcomers. Uh, to that type of game to 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 access it because it makes some of the baddies especially some of the bosses really really easy to beat i suppose it's rpg element that is isn't it you know taking yes. these things and then you can enhance your stats so if people are familiar with rpgs then picking this up yeah it's a new doorway that's an easy it? way in yes yeah, so you can have these familiars and jo- uh, join you on your exploration it makes killing baddies easier and they level up as well as you as well as your character so i, I don't know if we've mentioned that but actually there is a oh, leveling okay. system here uh, in right. this game so another RPG element there as well. Yeah, then. both RPG elements, aren't they? And this is lauded, as I say, as one of the ways that they've made the game accessible to new players because if you use one of the familiars, it makes things easier for you. However, in this interview, I can't remember which of the three says it, when, when this familiar system is brought up by the questioner, one of them explains that actually the familiar system, they were so rushed to get the familiar system finished that they at one point didn't think it was going to make it into the game because they weren't going to meet the deadline uh, on it which then means that the familiar system that exists in the game now that people talk so much about oh yeah it makes it accessible to new fans of the uh, franchise the reason it's like that is because it's broken (laughs) so it's not balanced correctly then none of the enemies are balanced to take the familiar system into account wow so if you If you over-level your familiars, yeah. you end up being able to breeze through baddies that should be a bit of a challenge, uh, to the point where I think it's Hagahara actually makes a plea in this interview that appeared in the original game guide, says, please don't over-level your familiars. Oh, no. So, yeah, it all, all of this accessibility that people talk about, it all comes from this broken familiar system. In terms of development, I found that it was originally planned for 32X. Yes, I saw that. And it was going to be called The Bloodletting. Yeah. Which is not a good name. And they realised partway through... That the Sega when... 32X was bombing. Yeah. Do you know anyone yeah. that actually had a 32X? Oh, I, no, no. I know no one at all that had one. I don't know anyone that actually owned anything other than the Mega Drive. So no Sega CDs or anything. No, no I don't actually pa- Tower that. of Power, as it's known. <laughs> Tower of Power, I've not heard Yeah, that. have you not? It's because no. it's because of the stackability of all the, the various... The Mega CD it... was at... 
Well, I was going to say Mega CD was at the bottom, but it, surely it the can't Mega Drive sort of slotted into the Mega CD, didn't yes. it? Yes, and then the 32X went into the cartridge slot of the, the Mega Drive. Went to the and top, yeah. And then there was something else that could go in there as well. And then you'd surely need to have a dynamo to power just that alone in your house. Yeah, probably. Especially if you were on a Game Gear or on uh, <laughs> on your loo or whatever. Yeah, it's Tower of Power, and to, they they were aware of it. Actually, so, this is a bit of a sideline, a side a side street, isn't it? This one, but when they put out the Mega Drive Classic or whatever it was called a couple of years ago, they actually gave you the plastic. 32x and sega cd that you could put together and it turned it into the tower of power this little i did uh, not plastic. know that no nope. <laughs> oh you're gonna get one i can see your eyes lighting up a little teeny tiny replica yeah a little tiny pretty, uh, i mean it was a massive cool. replica by the time you'd actually towered it up but a relatively small replica of all of those that's things nice. that came that's nice came together to be the mega drive it's the game itself Going back to Castlevania. Castlevania came out 1997 on the PlayStation 1. It was also ported to the Saturn, which had exclusive areas and bosses. Right, yes, but was also a pretty bad, uh, apparently, yeah. port. And that's one of the things that I was going to pick up. It's been ported everywhere. However, the common consensus seems to be among fans that the PlayStation 1 version is the best version and every other version should be avoided and that includes the most recent ports to the playstation 4 came out as castlevania requiem i believe and they made some changes i think it uses the psp version of the game or something like that right the psp do you know what the psp did do you know what they did for the psp what sony or konami no sorry uh the people that make castlevania konami the team do you know what they did during the port process Nope. They rewrote the script oh, okay. for the game. So one of these things that has made it somewhat iconic for not necessarily good reasons, but nonetheless has made it iconic. They rewrote it and they, and they uh, put out. So when people bought it and they were expecting Castlevania Symphony of the Night, they got Castlevania Symphony of the Night Refined Edition. Right. Uh, so the exact same gameplay and the exact same plot, but just written differently. Yeah. Why? Well, because the apparently the script, I don't, have you read anything about the script? I started reading about the plot and I fell asleep straight away. So. Oh um, no, you shouldn't say that. God, we're about to play it. We're supposed to be dead I, excited just, about this. I am genuinely actually excited about it. Blah, blah, so. vampires, blah, blah, medieval <laughs> times, blah, <laughs> suppose, blah. I, we'll get to that in a minute then. Um, we'll pick that up in a sec. But they just rewrote the script. The, the script originally, it, it's a little bit cheesy, a little bit hammy. And I think the delivery by the voice actors was also similarly sort of 1997-style voice acting. I'm guessing what you've said there, the fact that's well-remembered by people is because of that. So I'm thinking about to resident evil which i know you've not played but you do you know any of the the chill sandwich and all that's from resident evil no i don't know about chill oh, sandwich there's, no there's a room where something tries to squash you and someone rescues you and he says you were <laughs> you were nearly a jill sandwich and he says it in such a really oh, that's a nice line uh <laughs> delivery there's there's quite a few uh lines like that in resident evil but uh but yeah oh that sounds good yeah it was that kind of thing it was like a, a slightly askew look at how you should speak in most games sort of mid 90s Mm. Do you not happen to the Xbox Arcade version? I know something about the Xbox version in terms of the size limit of the game, but I don't think that's quite what you're getting at, so I'm going to hold on to that fact until the end of the second half when we wrap oh, up. Okay. So what's your fact? Well, what I'm getting at is that because of the arbitrary nonsense that we are both, well, I assume we're both familiar with, with Xbox Arcade games, where they can only be a certain size. Yeah, that's what I remember. That? That, that was the fact, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. They can only be a certain size, which means that in order to get this game on Xbox Arcade, they had to rip out the FMVs yeah. for the game. Yeah. I didn't realize that Xbox downloadable games had to be a certain size, which makes sense. Everything on the Xbox 360 live system had to be a certain size. There was like a four megabit well, download limit on patches. Certain size so, or below, surely. <laughs> Not to be certain size. Yeah, they didn't have to be perfectly <laughs> that size. Yeah, you're right. I'm picking me up on that. But like patches, when companies were building patches for the 360, they had to be a maximum of four megabytes, which made things quite difficult for mm. developers. And then there was this, obviously, uh, what they thought was a sensible limit on download, but then which forced people to make bad choices, like cutting out the FMVs on... Uh, this is the, the limit that was 50 megabytes. Was it only 50 megabytes? Yeah, that's what I found. So, yeah. yeah, what a joke. Yeah. I mean, they did lift that cap later on, but it's it was tr just ridiculous, especially well, at that time. From what I found, I don't know if maybe we're, we're reading different stories here, but the story i found was that this was the first game to be released on the xbox 360 or the xbox live arcade or whatever that exceeded that limit because konami specifically asked 
can we have it so that it goes past that 50 megabyte limit? And it was the first game to do that. Right. Well, I hadn't got that far in my my research, to be honest. But what I do know is that they had to hamstring the game anyway to fit within the parameters that were laid out to them by Microsoft to be able to be included on the arcade service. So that, I mean, that makes it even worse, isn't it? They they Mm. lifted the limit for them and it still wasn't enough for a game that came out 10 years or so prior so yeah bad times before we get into the game itself then konami as a games company are you familiar with many of their games or any of their games well i am but not to such an extent i could reel them off so if you're Mm. looking at reeling a few off then by all means I only know them through Silent Hill and obviously Metal Gear Solid, but uh, mm. other than that, I don't know anything about their output at all. But obviously okay. Metal Gear Solid is a fantastic game, as it's Silent Hill, to be fair. So I'm quite looking forward to playing through this for that reason. I mean, I'm looking forward to playing through this for the fact that it's a classic that has eluded me uh, mm. for, for how long is it? 23 years, 24 years this year. So yeah, and, and it is in a genre that I love. Just before we do wrap up, I, I know that we should probably, looking at the time, we should probably be wrapping up. But the name of the lead character. Yeah. Here. What, the really, the really subtle having it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Alucard, which is Dracula yeah. backwards. Um, and How long he did it is, take you to realise? I didn't. I, it had to be explained to me in the interview. But did that was... Did notice straight away? They, they asked... Well, I hadn't read... Like I said, I hadn't read the plot uh, of anything. So I didn't even know that the character was called Alucard until they were talking about him. And by the time they were talking about him, they were talking about how his name was Dracula backwards. Right. So I didn't really have chance to to be given the Eureka moment. When I saw it written down earlier, it was the straightaway what jumped out at me was that it's Dracula backwards. But maybe yeah. that's like you said, because I saw it written down, possibly. A little morsel that I have uh, gleaned from these interviews that I've read, that Alucard is the son of Dracula. So Dracula was obviously uh, having to reach far to name his son then. Yeah. I wonder if his mum did it as a coded message to him that his dad was Dracula. That's what I'm wondering. I mean, it's not very deep code is it if you're going to go for a code maybe do it in windings backwards or something mm. yeah fair exactly be quite clunky on the birth certificate though wouldn't it windings the whole thing's clunky anyway isn't it this naming yeah. convention um so windings or nay it doesn't really matter a bit of headcanon from the developers as well just before we leap into it so there's it's probably going to be about five of these just before we leap into it <laughs> a bit of headcanon from from them alucard wields what are called holy weapons right are you aware of that no okay so he wields these holy weapons and apparently dracula his dad can't wield them right it's not explained in the game but it is the headcanon of the developers in their own words that his mum Alucard's mum was some kind of holy person which meant that he was allowed to wield the holy weapons whereas his dad wasn't so it's Dracula the, the baddie in the game then I think historically he has been because the the original protagonist was Simon Belmont wasn't it or one of the re- original protagonists was Simon Belmont right is that the guy from Dracula I've Who never is read Dracula hun- no he's not actually from Dracula Simon Belmont but he right. he is a um he is like a vampire hunter and he's tracking down Dracula. But okay. you ask me more than that, I don't know. So don't don't ask me. <laughs> so we've had heroes in the game called Simon and Alucard. I mean, that's, that's quite a... They're a leap apart, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they really are. Right, I've got my... Uh, oh, hang on, fi- hang on, hang on, hang on. Last thing, last thing. Yep, last thing. Right, <laughs> last thing. Here is the last thing before we... Because I think it's worth mentioning. One of the things that this game is... Alright, two last things. I'm going to squeeze one in before this. This game sold 700,000 copies and it wasn't well received. Well, it wasn't badly received, but it wasn't taken up very well at the time. Uh, So that's one thing to bear in mind. It's then gone on to get this rave following. From what I read, it was more word of mouth that meant it it got that rather than... And like you say, it, it was met with a lot of critical acclaim, but they didn't see fit to give it lots of press coverage and advertising which is one of the reasons why it didn't sell very well initially the last last thing the very last thing that i mentioned because i feel like we should mention it up front one of the things that this game is widely praised for is its music and i've already mentioned that it was michiru yamane who composed for it and did sound effects this was her second castlevania she worked on the one before rondo of blood which i can't remember the name of now bloodlines i think it is and she has worked on other games after like the follow-ups to to Symphony of the Night as well. She was also involved in a game called Bloodstained, which was a Kickstarter project. Are you aware of Bloodstained? No, not at all. So Bloodstained is a game that was kickstarted a couple of years ago now, I think, and started coming out on platforms either last year or the year before. And that is actually helmed by Igarashi, who made Symphony of the Night. Okay. And Yamane did the music for that as well. He brought her back 
right. on board to do the music for Bloodstained. It's like a little love letter to Castlevania and the work he did on it. Okay. That's where we can jump off. We'll go see what Symphony of the Night is like. Yeah, after all those... Uh Sort of like one last, last thing. That, one more thing. Yeah. The, well, the, the, the sun is now rising. It's the perfect time to, to get Dracula. I've, I've got my holy water and my steak ready. Yeah. All right. Let's go. I am apparently a fan of Castlevania. Who knew? Closet case. Not me. I didn't know. Now I know. It's brilliant. Are you going to carry on playing it like later on? Or yeah, I, I, I might well. I might well play that through to the very bitter end to 200.6% <laughs> completion. Yes, lest we forget. What did you think? I'm a massive convert. Like, I really can't believe I slept on it. I enjoyed the first hour or so of playing it. And then I got to a boss that I found incredibly difficult. And it has really demoralized me but we'll talk about it a bit later on let's focus on the positives first yeah i mean i don't mind uh, what angle we take or or whatever what route we take through this you say that there are positives though mm. where would you start well firstly the look of the game mm. so you start off on this staircase with the this lightning storm thunderstorm thing in the background and the staircase has this red carpet and it's all like hanging down over the edge of the platform it's all moth-eaten and dogged and then you go up the staircase and the banister's made of stone and it's crumbling and it's sort of lurching towards the player and it just looked so good yeah in the background there was the 3d clock uh, yeah, that had been modeled in the background yeah. so as you walked up the stairs the this 3d clock sort of the um perspective changed on it mm. and i just thought the whole thing together was really really good looking yeah it was definitely for a game that came out what a couple of years into the playstation one's life yeah and actually it was quite a brave thing to do at the, at the time i think um to stick with the 2d sprite art because at the time everyone was really striving to get on the 3d bandwagon yeah. and people were uh struggling with that actually so to stick with the where their strengths lie was smart and uh, brave and i think as we've mentioned a few times now if we played 3d games from 1997 they now don't look great generally i would say they don't look great and oftentimes they don't play very well uh, yeah. and the cameras are terrible yeah. a lot of the time whereas this was extremely playable what would you say 24 years later it's yeah to an unbelievable extent i can't believe how lovely it felt to play this game the way the characters control because you play that just before we move off that i guess that first section that we were just describing that actually is quite an interesting way to open the game mm. because it's the final part of rondo of blood which is the game previous to this one which is quite quite disarming starting to open it said final level or something and and yes we've done something wrong <laughs> yeah. but the the opposite of disarming it was quite di- intimidating i was yeah. like whoa what's going on it kind of reminds me of the evil dead 2 if you've seen that have you seen Evil Dead 2? I've seen the first Evil Dead, but not any right. subsequent ones. Not wasted your time with the first Evil Dead and watched Evil <laughs> Dead 2. That You get a three-minute recap of the first film at the beginning of Evil Dead 2. Right. And it's like a, a very sped-up version of Evil Dead. I don't mean wasted your time. Evil Dead's actually very good. But the second film does away with the need to watch it, if you, if you okay. like, as far as it's concerned. It kind of reminded me of that, because you're getting a, a potted version yeah. of the outcome of the previous game, which I thought was a really unique and innovative way, inventive way, to open up a game. With some voice acting as well, must have there. Yeah. Yeah, the voice acting is exactly what I was expecting it to be. It's it's very cheese, but it kind of feels on purpose, which is the same with a lot of things that we're going to talk about. Yeah, everything that we're going to talk about. It feels like everything was done with a knowing nudge, nudge, nod. Wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm getting at with that is a lot of the animations, death animations for the enemies are really over the top. Everything explodes in a shower of sparks and fire. And some of them are insane, like massive explosions of fire. It's really brilliant. One of the ones that I really liked was a guy that you come across in the marble. I think it's in the on the way to the marble gallery and he's he's got a little katana type sword yeah and there's blood dripping off the end and once you have stabbed him a few times the top half of his body falls off and this shout this fountain of blood comes out of his waist and it just feels so ridiculously over the top but on purpose like they know what they're doing it was surely more blood than could have been contained in the volume of his yeah. entire body yeah it was that sort of thing and it just made me chuckle because it felt like they they were doing that on purpose like this is this is ridiculous he's 
it's got too much blood. Yeah. Did you get to the point where there were these monkeys or monkey type enemies? Did you see those? Yeah, I was uh, sort of going through this this area that had those in, and then those disturbing skeletons that had like a blonde wig that then came to life and yeah. were chasing you. I, I did not like them at all. But yes, I saw the monkeys. What I think people might be getting a feel for as well is something that I thought it did really well, and that is variety. The number of enemies that I've came across in the relatively short time that we were playing this game was immense. Like, And they all felt like different enemies there was nothing yeah. that had reskinned from something previous although i did get the thing that actually killed me was a re a reskinned version of those axe throwing knights uh, instead of being green he was blue he killed me and that's when i sacked it off because i hadn't saved for a while but in terms of the variety offered up to then and probably going forward even from there i was blown away i thought it was really satisfying to keep coming across new things and shout out to the skeletons that collapsed and made the exact same noise as dry bones from mario games yeah those red skeletons yeah. they they really did as well it really it, i i would be surprised if that wasn't some kind of homage to i think it was the do exact you, do same you not noise. think so no i think it was the, it was, the, there yeah, was, it was it's like the, it? the wilhelm scream isn't it yeah yes, just exactly. from a, a library and they just oh no 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 way i've not heard that sound anywhere else at all no i suppose it's very iconic isn't it i think that was a callback to the dry bones Mm, yeah possibly of mario so i wouldn't put it past a developer to drop that in so yeah lots lots to like in the enemy department while we're talking about sound as well the the music was phenomenal yes so that is something that we touched on at the end wasn't it It was one of our at the end of the first half it was one of our last points last last points yeah <laughs> uh, last 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 points yamane Michiru yamane she was drafted in to do this having worked on not rondo of blood but the game before that and then seems to have basically made a career on uh, working on castlevania games and other things but popped up numerous times on future castlevania mm-hmm. entries and i'm not surprised because the music as far as i'm concerned i think you agree was brilliant it, yeah, it, it created really atmosphere and was also really quite driven and actiony and to do those two things at the same time is is a pretty mean feat yeah definitely the music was good the animation was also lovely the fluidity of alucard the way he moved and then within that the he had his cape that billowed behind him and then when you stopped moving it then swung around him it almost yeah. like 3d it was fantastic everything felt so fluid uh, for a game again for a game made in 1997 that kind of animation i don't think it was standard you know if we think chrono trigger chrono trigger was made around that time i wish i could remember what date and even as nice as as nice as everything looks in Chrono Trigger, the animations are still sort of moving over three or four or five frames. It's not yeah. not that many frames go into each animation. But these, I, I don't know what how many frames they were working with per movement, but it was it was great. Mm. It was so fluid. And Alucard, the main character, he had this strange shadow effect as he moved through the levels as well, didn't he? I didn't notice that, to be honest. He didn't notice no. that? Okay. I'm wondering whether it was my copy <laughs> doing some funny things. But he, as he moved along, there was like a ghost image that followed him. So he, he sort of left a trail. You didn't notice no, that? No, I didn't notice that at all. Oh, no. I'm wondering whether it was my eyes. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, if he did that, then it looked brilliant if he didn't then i'm gonna get my eyes checked um sometime soon so tied into that i guess uh tied into the fluid animations everything about the movement in the game just felt really satisfying Mm. and like it had been built with real care and attention to the feel of the jump and the landing yeah and being hit as well like it knocks you off balance but then you you can recover when you recover it it doesn't feel jarring i really with that i I really bought into the with the music as well the atmosphere of the game but it felt realistic i I know it's not a realistic game but it felt believable that this thing was happening it was grounded yeah Yeah, exactly it was grounded and yeah it's not a it's it's a fantasy game but I know exactly what you mean. And you're right. I think it just felt like everything made sense yeah. in terms of how it moved and how characters interacted with one another, hitting each other and so on. The movements felt natural. Mm-hmm. Again, as a as a bit of a follow-on from that, the combat system. How did you feel about that? Because I'm going to gush about it. Just so you know. <laughs> Better get my umbrella out. 
once, <laughs> once I learned how to get how to use my shield, it was a lot easier because in games generally, I'm very much of the offense rather than the defense. Whereas this mm. using a shield was an absolute necessity. There were these knights fairly early on that threw axes, and you had to use the shield to stop the axes hitting you and depleting a significant amount of your health. And once I'd realized that was the point of them, it was a case of have your shield as soon as they're throwing the axe and the shield uh, the axe is gone, just jab in with your sword a bit, put the shield back up again, rinse and repeat, job done. I kind of think that that actually, that example speaks of how this game is open to different play styles because you were doing that with those axe throwers and I was jumping up over ah, the low okay. low axes and dodging under the the high axes and uh, mm. and then jabbing as you say as I got opportunities and that worked just as well for me as it sounds like your shield was working where the shield I felt the shield wasn't optional was when you got to the first boss which was actually two bosses the weird bird pterodactyl type thing that had a lance and then the thing that actually had wings that carried the pterodactyl tried to drop you on him the demon type one the one that starts off blue and turns red yeah there was no getting away from his projectiles they were too fast so if you didn't use your shield there you would you were damned i think literally damned in the game not in real life but the actual combat system i think is you've got your attack which is mapped square got dodge which is mapped triangle and you've got your shield which is mapped to circle and those three things i told you there was a dodge i think you told me i forgot what did that do well it dodged backwards so if if something was jabbing at you you could press triangle and you dodged backwards yeah i genuinely that might have helped (laughs) that might have helped in that in that boss fight heinous boss fight yeah so those three things i mean if you were using those three things they really work well together as just a simple tool set to to tackle all of the different enemy attack styles of which um, there were plenty and with the shield as well there was a limited amount of strafing if you had the shield up and then went in the opposite direction Alucard kept the shield up facing the way you were for, for about a second before spinning around which was genuinely very useful yeah and it's that little touch that I think that's what elevates this game above others that maybe wouldn't have had that little extra second mm. of, of shield time it just feels like a really well thought out enterprise in every respect yeah some people said that it was too easy which i know you you will take issue with yeah i I want to meet these Uh, people and find out one of the genuinely one of the uh, complaints about this game when it was released and subsequently is that the game is too easy i was barreling through certain sections but certainly that first boss it killed me the first time it was challenging enough but i would say i i could see myself really enjoying romping through this game you know it's not necessarily it's not a demon soul style no die and die and die again affair it is and and actually in terms of metroidvanias i think there's more challenge in hollow knight both in terms of platforming and combat than there probably is in castlevania symphony of the night but i can see that being some like a sales point like a, a point in its favor really because it just felt like a romp it really did it felt brilliant before we started recording tonight you and i were talking about super mario 3d world which you said you played on the wii u and found it very easy i am playing it through on the switch now and yes it is easy but hmm. i'm enjoying the the words you keep saying the romp through it so i don't personally feel necessarily and i know you're not saying that this is a negative but i don't yeah. see why people would you know take issue with it no no exactly and and actually when i was talking about 3d world i wasn't necessarily even raising no. it as a problem i mean that's there a whole other yeah. set of conversations oh. which we have actually had <laughs> this evening so also it's not easy so there. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. All right. I, I each to their own, isn't it? But going back to it's about Hollow Hollow Knight, the bosses in Hollow Knight were my least favorite part of the game by a considerable oh, were distance. They? Yeah, right. I found some of them extremely frustrating. There was the the first time mm. you encounter Hornet in the Queen's Garden area. Um, I, it took me a long time to do that. Yeah. Okay. And you can see the straight line between Hollow Knight and this guy. Hundred percent. Yeah. Or two hundred point six percent. I should say two hundred point six percent worth of line between the two they actually even in terms of boss battles it just feels like they share a genetic link yeah with hollow knight being far more polished but for obvious reason learn the boss's pattern find the weak point apply that rinse and repeat 
for a long time job done <laughs> for a long time yeah i guess uh, and the same for an- enemies as well when you know mm. by sight how an enemy is going to behave towards you that is its own sort of easy setting yeah. because you learn their patterns that's a, a massive part of it in a way that actually metroid i don't think it's not as strong in that department generally like the enemies do have patterns but it's not quite the same feel as this has. And I feel like Hollow Knight sort of takes from this combat-wise more than it does Metroid. Well, again, going back to the first half where I said not never played Castlevania before, I've never played Metroid either. <gasps> oh, God. Right, okay. Metroid. Well, it's on my list. Right. A couple of times. So Maybe should uh, sooner yeah. rather than later. I did download whichever one it was, or there might have been both, but I don't know. I downloaded one of them on the Wii from the Virtual Console on the recommendation of a friend and just never played it. I suspect that... That will have been Super Metroid, Possibly, which yeah. is excellent. That's the SNES, as you can imagine, the SNES version, Super Metroid. The first Metroid game I played was Metroid 2, I think it is, on the Game Boy when I was in year six. Right. My friend would bring his Game Boy in uh, and his copy of Metroid and we would sit and play through that. We absolutely hammered, well, we didn't hammer through it. We we took our time. We were exploring everywhere, finding everything. We well, so played brilliant. it at break times and lunch times. Yeah. Amazing. I used to yeah. sit on a bench and read during break times and lunch times in year six and the teachers would just tell me off I had to go and run around so he's just skulk around with some friends and pretend oh, to be dear. active sad times oh god well me and my friend were prefects in our primary school year six and part of prefecting meant that you had break and lunchtime duties so you'd spend 20 minutes of the hour sitting watching cloakrooms or whatever so me and my friend always used to get put on the same prefect duty and sit and play that instead <laughs> It was brilliant. We had our own little private area as well called the quad. And so, the only people that were allowed in it were prefects. It was mad. So you I can't believe re- the privilege. So you give this responsibility and they just completely disregarded it and just... No, no. Thing. Like, all you had to do, the toilets were in the cloakroom. So you had to say, let someone into the toilet if they needed it. And then if they took too long, go in and get them out of the toilet. But people <laughs> Regardless of what they would do. Yeah. Look, just nip it off. I'm having you out of here. That's why there were two of us. One took legs, one took arms. It was good times, actually. He was the one that had Bugs Life on PlayStation. We, right. We hammered through that as well. Nice man. Simpler times. Nice boy. They were. The commonality that these games have, then, is the exploration side of it and trying to find these secrets. So we watched a video of the... Was it the SNES version of the precursor to of this Rondo game? Of Rondo of Blood, yeah. To, to compare the beginning of this one to the ending of that well it's yeah and they and, are the same and also the visual side of it how much better it looks yeah. than playstation mm. but during that video there was this completely invisible staircase that the character that the whoever was playing the game mm. the character yeah. landed on and then walked up to find this hidden room that had all this money in it now i personally didn't like that because there were no clues whatsoever that staircase was there and the only way i think to find that would be by pure accident so we mm. were then discussing how there were surely going to be secrets in this game symphony of the night so for example there was yeah, one, i know there are there was one area i was in where i could see a chamber through a wall yeah there's a wall between me and the chamber mm. so there's something there i have no idea i had no idea i couldn't figure out how to get to it so mm. that is obviously carried through into this game. Were there anything that you found like that? Well, I was actually going to pick up on this myself before we finished off. One of the things that they discussed in one of the interviews, the devs for this, was the idea of secrets and finding these hidden rooms and, right. and whatnot. Is that again tying into the replayability trying to No, trying... I think it's I think it's the intrigue and the mystery. They okay. this is Castle Dracula. Mm. It's gonna have all kinds of runnels and secret hideaways and things you would expect in Castle Dracula. And that's what the the sort of vibe that they were trying to create. But they're, they're also like more complex, I think, secrets that they have. So the the example that they gave was one actually where I, I think I actually got to this room. There's a there's a clock room or something like that. And you interact with it with a stopwatch, I believe, was in the interview. And if you use the stopwatch, you get access to a secret chamber. And in the secret chamber is a set of uh, secret armor. And the armor is called Alucard armor. So not Alucard, Alucard armor. Alucard. Um, and that... Like a menu. Uh, sort of like a la carte, yeah. Right. The, it's, it's actually a little joke that the devs put in because the armour is somewhat naff and it's because it's, it's knockoff armor the secret chamber that it's found in actually started off a lot more difficult to access you could only access it at a certain hour in the game for a right. certain period of time and if you did that then you got this quite powerful armor that you, you could access and you could get it fairly early on in the game but they found it too difficult to access so they they sort of scaled back the 
difficulty and then replaced this powerful armor with slightly slightly cheap crappy knockoff version of it uh, which was the Alicarth armor it's quite a clever idea i remember in um, ratchet and clank 2 so developed by insomniac games that there was if you played it at half past three in the morning it, on a certain level there was this portal that appeared and you went into it and it took you to a, a museum that was all like concept art and, and things oh, to wow. do with the game mm. so obviously the way to do it was to then just change your ps2's clock to half past three or something yeah that's in the morning. what people always yeah, do isn't exactly it? Yeah. But it was a really cool idea. And the thing that I remember being absolutely stunning was there was this this panel of water that showed you how they created this ripple that then rippled across this water. And it looked so mm. incredibly realistic. And they said that there was this little panel next to it you could read about it. And it said that they'd wanted to do this for the water in the whole game, but basically couldn't because of how much power it needed to make this yeah. effect. Mm. But So they just had this tiny tile of it and it, to it show was, you that it they was could. really good so there you go mm. yeah that sounds really nice I, I like that sort of thing and I actually think based on what they said in the interview and on what we saw in the Rondo of Blood video that we had a little look at I actually think that this game's probably packed with secrets yeah, like I that I suspect so as well whether they are fair or not I it remains to be seen because I actually didn't even cotton on to any while I was playing. It, it didn't occur to me to look. Uh, maybe it should have. But yeah, I mean, some of them, I, I can see what you mean in terms of that secret hidden invisible stairway mm -hmm. i can kind of see you sort of jumping up when you get to the top of the actual stairway and accidentally landing on it and then yeah. going oh but it's all a little bit you talked about it in terms of the grammar of, of games which we've talked about previously yeah. haven't we the grammar the grammar of sonic the hedgehog and it it's hidden areas and how it it just doesn't always compute that there should be an area there or whatever because it's just all they've done is remove the collision on a on a wall exactly. it's kind of as cheap as that isn't it that's what you're getting at and, and the point we we're getting at was that in mario using this phraseology the grammar of mario is that if there's a secret somewhere it might be that there's a wall that maybe just doesn't have any decoration to it or there's maybe a, mm. a there's a, always a platform a... that just is empty and it just looks a bit out of it so you go into that platform and jump and maybe there's a hidden coin block or something there's always a little yeah. clue that tells you there's something there yeah and it's sometimes it's not that obvious yeah until you found it and you go oh that i should have known that was there <laughs> it gives you that kind of feeling doesn't Precisely. it like, ah yes brilliant that was cool yeah and yeah finding an invisible staircase by act won't give you that Ooh brilliant no. eureka feeling so yeah i can't i get that hopefully and and maybe if you know the game a bit better than we do you can tell us that isn't what all of those secrets are and they're they're more in line with what i've outlined with that clock room and the alley cart armor where you have to get a certain item or find your way in by another route or something a little bit more smart and involved than accidentally finding yourself on a an invisible staircase yeah definitely i would like to think and i do have the faith to think that it is more what i've just said and not invisible staircases yeah, personally i'm sure so as well i have absolutely loved the podcast today recording and everything it talking to you even has been great wow. like the whole thing has been brilliant especially playing the game but the conversation we've had off the back of it and leading into it i just thought i've enjoyed every minute of it Good. it's not often i can say that about <laughs> spending time with Cheers. you so it's only taken 50 episodes to get to that point yeah it might be the magic it might be the magic of the 50th episode so thank you it was actually your idea to cover this wasn't it so uh, thank you ever so much for bringing it you're welcome before we go we would you recommend this game to people <sighs> Yeah, you're in two minds. I knew that you were going to be... So the reason Chris is like this is because the first boss killed him about 8 million times. He was getting really frustrated. We haven't actually said that explicitly, but he's dead sad about it. And he's very sad that I was better at it than he was. I had, I had to go for an angry toilet break just to have a bit of a breather. Yeah, I could hear him pissing from from the room that he sits in. So, yeah. Sits in. <laughs> Grim time. Simultaneously sighing as well. And then just having, yeah. a, having a look in the mirror and just uh, having a bit of a think about things. Yeah. yeah. So point is, Chris isn't going to recommend this game to people for for some reason. I've not had a reaction like that to a game for a long time. And it knocked me for no. six. And it was frustrating. If the atmosphere of the game, I would recommend if you uh, dye your hair purple and have a henna tattoo and have a black t-shirt with like a heavy metal band logo on. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you're getting at, really. I, well, I do know what you're getting at, but I think that the... <laughs> what, you, what you're saying is, oh, Castle Dracula, bum, 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 is a bit gothic. <laughs> oh, surprise. I, I'd recommend it far more widely than that. I'd recommend it to anyone that just likes a really well-made game and leave it at that because it 
it's just from the very beginning I was just blown away by it I thought it was brilliant a really confident striding game that knew what it was about from the very off and dazzled me from the beginning to the, to the moment I died yeah hands on heart you know in all honesty I, I did really enjoy it I did find that boss extremely frustrating but up until that point there were so many things I was saying to, to Ashley saying oh wow yeah. this animation oh this music's incredible and so on I was mm. really enjoying it so I would recommend it just go in okay. with caution and don't be one of those schmucks thinking it's really easy because it isn't. The key, I think, to your frustrating experience was that you, one, didn't realise that you should be defensive as well as offensive, and two, you forgot that you could dodge even though I told you. <laughs> it goes back to what we said a few minutes ago. It's about analysing the boss, learning the strategy, and then applying it, and I just yeah. wasn't applying it correctly. No, exactly. I think sometimes it's the game and sometimes it's us. On this occasion, I think you, what you're saying is you're quite happy to accept that it was you and that the game wasn't wasn't necessarily needlessly unfair yeah. in some way. 50 episodes cool. in, I'm not great. How about that? It's for a revelation. You're all right. We've laid into you enough, haven't we, today? <laughs> in terms of how you access this game, it's actually been ported everywhere. You can get it even on the PS4. You will probably want to do that because in order to get it on the PlayStation 1, which is apparently the best version, you're looking at prices, very steep prices. I did a bit of a of a search on eBay, uh, UK eBay that is, before we started. And generally, copies are going for more than £100 getting up to 200 pounds if you've got a a limited edition copy that's looking at 400 close to sort of 370 to 400 and even if if you've got a near mint or mint just regular copy you're looking about 250 to 300 based on the completed listings they are completed and sold like people have bought them for that so yeah you you probably don't want to unless you're a collector you're probably looking at getting a ps4 or ps3 copy it's available on ios and android i found is it I did not find that. You might want... Yeah, it's available on the App Store. I've got it in front of me now for $2.99. Right, well, there's there's some other options for you as well, which don't cost you $150 plus pounds. I wouldn't recommend it on iOS or Android just because it's virtual keys, and I don't like virtual keys. Yeah, I agree. If you've got another option get it on something with a with an actual physical controller or as an alternative there is a puzzle game based on this game called encore of the night which is available on ios as well oh right okay you, you went a little bit deeper on <laughs> yeah. uh on follow-up well i mean right. I, i'm assuming it's basically i don't know some characters that probably pop up in a puzzle game i, I can't really see how this would tie into a puzzle game at all mm, no maybe not neither do i so the other option is bloodstained which I believe is available across consoles and on PC. Avoid the Switch version. If you go the Bloodstained route, avoid the Switch version because apparently not the best of versions. Like there's a lot lacking. So if you can get it on the PS4 or the Xbox One or the PC, then go for those three above the the Switch version. Bloodstained. We did mention Bloodstained in the first half, didn't we? Oh, I don't know. It's been a long night for me. I'm feeling a bit traumatized. (laughs) You're a bit drained. Yeah. So next week, episode 51, back to normal. So it's my turn i'll be bringing a game for ashley to play from my childhood if you enjoyed today's episode then please join us for that in the meantime if you want to join us on facebook twitter instagram youtube we're available on all those platforms come and say hello please come and say hello thank you for joining us let's pick christopher lee Dracula then please <laughs> i could do what's this called the count from <laughs> sesame street oh, if you like oh. please come and join us oh Ah, one is that better? social media. Two social <laughs> yeah. media. One on YouTube. Ah, ah, ah. Lovely, lovely bit of business there. I always go for YouTube. Why do I default to YouTube? <laughs> Facebook or something. Come and talk to us. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Bye. <laughs>